everyone, and welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and as always, you can find us on social media by searching Medium Cool Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, and we'll pop up, and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. And uh, hey, make sure that you keep up with all Medium Cool content by liking, subscribing, following, wherever you're listening to this. Do the thing so you can keep up with this. And hey, while you're at it, please leave us a rating or review. Really appreciate that, and it helps us out. So we appreciate you and all that you do. Now, that said, uh, I am going to be taking today's episode to let you hear my conversation with Rocky Gray, who was a uh, guitarist in the band Living Sacrifice, which is one of my all-time favorite metal bands. It was my very favorite metal band of all time as a kid, but also he was the drummer in Evanescence. Yep, that band. And so it was a a complete pleasure sitting and talking with Rocky Gray. Uh, Thanks to Matthew Putman, who was on the show before. He and Rocky were in Living Sacrifice. Uh, You know, their time overlapped, or however you want to put that. And he basically hooked me up. And so uh, Rocky was happy to come on the show, uh, and he was a completely uh, wonderful guest to have. We just kind of generally talk about horror movies, and I ask him questions about how he got into horror and uh, you know how he feels about contemporary horror and what about found footage. And at a point, I, at a certain point, I even joke about feeling like Chris Farley because I'm just like, you know, hey, remember when you did this thing? Oh, it was, that was really cool. But instead of me saying it to him, I'm just like, hey, Hey, remember this movie? Man, that movie's so awesome. <laughs> like, it really does get into this, uh, into this rhythm of just like, hey, let's talk about movies we love and uh, kind of gush about them. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Rocky. Again, he was an absolute pleasure to talk with. And uh, hey, in our description of the episode, you can check out more on Rocky Gray. Get the information from his website. That's www.rocky-gray.com. You'll find everything you need there. But without further ado, let's go see what Rocky has to say about horror movies. All right, everybody, I'm here with Rocky Gray. Say hello, Rocky. Hello. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I know, well, I say I know Rocky. This is actually the first time I think we've officially met. I've met you at shows like 20 years ago or something, you know, but right no on. one would ever remember this. Um, but our good friend, our mutual friend, Matt Putman, put us in, uh, in contact. So this is going to be fun because the way that Matt described you, Rocky, is you are one hell of a horror fan. Can you, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what got you into horror movies before we talk a little bit about your music here? Yeah. I, I mean, I grew up watching horror movies from forever. So, um, yeah, just, you know, so five years old, I'm watching, you know, all the universal monsters and having Costello meet Frankenstein, all this stuff. So, uh, <laughs> So I, from from then on, I mean, I, it just never stopped for me. It's yeah, definitely been a passion. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I never in a million years thought Abbott and Costello was going to come up in this conversation, but that was yeah, a good right? shout right there. <laughs> <laughs> and behind you, no one can see this, but because um, this is audio. But uh, are those all just horror movies behind you? That is just the horror section. Jesus. Everybody, like, check this out. Uh, so I'm looking at Rocky because whenever we do these uh, episodes, we're like looking at each other on Zoom. But these are audio podcasts. But he just has literally a full wall 
Are those like VHSs too? Are you that guy? I, yes. So yes, from like the middle of the screen on just a little bit. Uh, there's there's three sections of the wall. So it'd be from there, and then the VHS there, and then uh, right there we'll start like action sci-fi. So yeah, pretty much a thousand horror movies, and then maybe 500 or 600 VHS and then another thousand. <laughs> Gosh, man. Yeah. Cause I have a, I mean, you can like barely in the dark, see my, uh, I have like 700 or something. Like it's not that. And that's all things, not just horror. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all things. Yeah. No, that's, that's what I was just telling you before we went on that. I was just at a, a, a drive-in it was called drive-in massacre. It was in Shelbyville, Indiana. It was like this horror movie marathon, um, and one thing that I told my wife as we were walking through kind of the merch tent, so to speak, that had all the things um, is I was like, you know, whenever people are like real horror fans, when they have the VHSs on their table, because yeah. there's so many horror movies that never made it past the VHS era of technology. So the yeah. real hardcore fans are like, fuck that. Who cares? I'm just going to do <laughs> I'm just going to watch it on VHS because this is an awesome movie. So I love that. Um before we really start digging into specific titles and just kind of talking about horror in general, uh, you, of course, have a pretty extensive musical background. Uh, I knew you mostly from Living Sacrifice, which was like when Reborn came out, that was when I was super <laughs> introduced to him because I was 13 or something like that. Um, so that was like my big introduction. They were like my favorite band of all time. But you came in. Uh, between that one and uh, hammering process, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, uh, right yeah. around hammering process, it, it was, and that was it was, it was on the uh, it was on the reborn um, tours. So yeah. reborn was actually still fairly fresh, I, I, I guess. But uh, I think that was '97. I think yeah, that's when it came out. So that made, that would so make like sense. Yeah. Summer like summer of '97 uh, is yeah. when I came in. And finish yeah. that out, and then we started working on hammering process. Yeah, and and there is clearly a uh, difference there. You guys actually just did um, the Living Sacrifice doc, which I was a part of that screening or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And what was it like watching your kind of whole history with this band like unfold, and all the interviews you probably had to do? Like, what was it like to have that experience? It's strange. It's very strange. Uh, because you know David Lipke's been recording this for thirty years or yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So he has it's footage very, it's from like yeah. the early living sacrifice stuff. Like what was yes. that? Late eighties, early nineties or something? Like so early. Yeah, it had to be like ninety, maybe. Yeah. Eighty nine, ninety, something like that. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, and I still don't even know if this is available to the public because, like I said, I watched it when it was streamed online, and you kind of bought a virtual ticket right. and were a part of that and everything. So far, um, that's that's the only place it's been available. We're still trying to work out how we can do it with with the licensing and stuff. That's kind of the snag right now is trying trying to figure out how to because there's songs that yep these people own that we own some of it. It's like yeah. how to get all the licensing stuff going on. But that's yeah. kind of the snag right now. And as soon as we get that done, I mean, we can move forward. 
Yeah, I'll definitely be pushing that whenever that comes out. That was a fun kind of trip down memory lane for me as well, because though I came in during Reborn, when Reborn's all you have, you're going back. You know, so yeah. then I'm listening yeah. to non-existent, I'm listening <laughs> to self-time, you know, and, and all of those DJ records and stuff. So, um, but yeah, Living Sacrifice was like one of my one of my faves. And actually, uh, I told Matt this story, too. He knew this already, but I knew Matt from Esocaris. Like, I just met him on their message board back in like 1998 <laughs> or something, you know, uh, and I'd bought their record through like Cross Rhythms magazine or something. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. some random catalog. And we just started talking and we've been kind of friends ever since you know what i mean just uh, i would always go to their shows on tour and everything and my mom uh hated hardcore and metal stuff and when i got into it she was just like they sound like demons you know because i like grew up in the church and everything <laughs> and you get all those cliche things but man when she heard living sacrifice though especially reborn and no longer those two songs yeah. uh she was just like dude those double bass like that was always her thing you know what i mean and every record you guys put out after that she was into it and i'd always have matt like yell out to my mom like to <laughs> like to give her a song because she would go to the shows with me which is hilarious this lady with this big poofy hair does not fit in at all you know but she's there um so yeah living sacrifice was always a big one for me but you were also in a, 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 a kind of a i don't want to call it an offshoot because that sounds like it lessens but uh, it was a uh, soul embraced you yeah, did that yeah. for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and didn't you guys, what was the last time you guys put something out? I actually didn't write that down. Oh, man, it's been a long time. Uh, <laughs> Mythos was the last one we did, and it seems like that was eight years ago, maybe, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I, I thought it was in the teens, like the the 20 teens uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, time. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, Soul Embrace was another one that obviously we knew because you and uh, I believe Lance were in the band. I think those yeah. were the two Living Sacrifice guys. So um, there was that. And then uh, uh, the last one I'll bring up, and then if there are any others that you're interested in mentioning, by all means. But you were also in Evanescence. Yeah. Now, and you were the drummer, not the guitarist, because mind <laughs> you, everybody, if you don't know the name Rocky Gray, he was the guitarist in Living Sacrifice and Soul Embrace, but you were the drummer. Can you just give us a little bit of history? Because I know some people are big Evanescence fans like that listen to us, like in particular, I can name them in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll be interested in this in particular, but like kind of which came first because i don't know the whole history of evanescence nor did i really care to do the the full deep dive on on the history i figured you <laughs> yeah. could share some of this with us here um you know uh which came first like your love for that kind of like living sacrifice and that stuff or had evanescence kind of been brewing through that whole time like where where did the crossover from that living sacrifice metal to evanescence come from does that make sense well, for me, I, I'm I've been into all kinds of music, you know, the whole time. More of a death metal guy, yeah. But also, I grew up in the '80s, so I love <laughs> yeah. Prince and Duran Duran, and you know everything else. So, uh, gothic music is just uh, in there somewhere in the you know the pop, rock, metal. You can kind of squish that all together. So for me, no no problem you know, going yeah. from one thing to the next. But uh, Ben Moody uh, uh, was a uh, a big Living Sacrifice fan. So that kind of kind of put my name in the, in the hat to to uh, get into that camp. Um, but when they were recording their first demo, 
um, at a mutual friend of ours. Um, he recommended me cause I was doing a lot of session work at his studio. So he recommended me coming over and doing a one or two songs with them. I can't, can't remember how many songs I did, but, uh, um, but yeah, I, I did that. And then, um, it kind of went from there. Uh, they had another drummer along the way, but, uh, when it came time for touring, I, I guess he, he couldn't tour at the time. So they gave me a holler. Yeah. And you, you did like those, those big bangers too, like bring me to life and all those, like that <laughs> whole record and stuff. So, I mean, you were in it and, and I guess uh, when I think of it as someone who started as a drummer and then kind of became more of a guitar player and vocalist type stuff, uh, which came first with that? Cause you, you're a killer guitarist. But you're also <laughs> drumming for this band like that's like huge. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. are you really just the jack of all trades or like where? How did all uh, that kinda, start? When did you start guitar? When did the drums all that? I got a drum kit and then my brother got a guitar. So they were always available. So I played drums a lot. That was my main thing. I yeah. first started on drums, did that forever. But the whole time I was just tinkering with the guitar and trying to learn all the my favorite kiss songs or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, heaven's on fire was the first song I ever learned on guitar. That's awesome. <laughs> so that's how, how long I've been playing guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's when the song first came out. So it's been that long. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just continued tinkering with it. And whenever I couldn't play drums, uh, on something, you know, no projects were going on. I would just play guitar. So, yeah, it was always I always had something available. Yeah. Yeah. That was always that was kind of my thing. I, I the band that I was in when I first started playing guitar, because I started playing drums when I was 12 and I started playing guitar when I was about 14. But I didn't really get to playing consistently to about uh, till I was about 15. And I remember my uh, guitarist, he all so we were in like this metal band we tried to be really technical and and uh all of this stuff but they and this would have been in like 98 99 something like that and uh he was a huge like motley crew and like that kind of music so he would um which no shade i'm just saying like there there's a difference between what we were playing and that okay that's all i'm getting yeah at. so i was the drummer and the vocalist but i he would never write for the band really Right. He would just always come over and he wouldn't think about what we were playing. He'd be like, check out this this cool like um, Van Halen solo I learned. And then he would just like rip into this solo, but he never wrote for us, you know. So I would just he'd leave his gear at the practice space. So I just started learning how to play things that were in my head. And it's surprising how if you just have the gear around, if you give yourself the time, you know, you can get there, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's great. I, I I love your I love your journey. I just love like thinking of uh, all the things that you did and living sacrifice. I mean, you guys are still doing stuff off and on now, right? With yeah, living sacrifice, we're trying to. We always try to do it, and uh, <laughs> we're consistently <laughs> trying. So, and the pandemic didn't help, of course. I mean, I I because yeah, I'm that, pretty sure yeah. the doc and stuff was supposed to come out like a year before uh, or more before it ever. Yeah, did, we so. had yeah we had definitely had plans that got had put on the back burner because of all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it seems like you guys pretty much hop on like festivals. Like those are probably pretty easy things to hop on. Yeah. Cause they're big enough yeah. to kind of support 
uh, or warrant rather you taking the time to do it. And uh, no, but that's great. So yeah, I mean, you have like a whole history with music, of course. But I'm really interested in getting back to this five-year-old you watching Universal horror movies <laughs> and uh, and all this. What was the first, if you can think of, or, or at least an early one? I don't really care about firsts or favorites per se, but like, what was an early horror movie that really grabbed you? You know what I mean? Like the one that you saw and you're like, oh shit, like this is a, this is the real deal. Can you yeah. think of some of those really early ones? That was The Exorcist. The, the first time I saw it, I didn't really <laughs> see it because I'm, I was hiding my eyes pretty much 90% of the time. And yeah. it wasn't so much the visuals. It was the music. The music scared me very, it was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, um, it, and, and, uh, I'm only asking because I did, but did you grow up in the church by chance? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, so my, mom, the, my mom went, my dad didn't really go, but my yeah. mom went not, not uh, every Sunday and Wednesday kind of thing, but, uh, yeah. but definitely was in, in the religious realm because my, sure. my aunts and my grandma, they were legit every, yeah. every week, you know, but uh, I was yeah. around it. I was always around the religious stuff and, and that's, kind of i think uh made me like that kind of stuff even more because it it was a little more real to me yeah uh, i don't a, a lot of people might not get the religious horror as much as some people that grew up around it because it's a little more real when you, you kind of looks have yeah. that embedded in your dna yeah it looks ridiculous to some people yeah you know like when you when you see like um what what's her name uh you can probably tell me off i need to pull it up here but uh um the the main kid in the exorcist why can't i think of oh, her reagan. reagan reagan thank yeah. you yeah, yeah yeah i knew it was something like that i, I had ray in my head but i couldn't <laughs> get out of it um but yeah like when reagan's just stabbing herself with a cross and she's just like fuck christ fuck you know like like that's it's just like dude when you grew up in that if you have no relationship to that that could be funny that could be like, oh, crap, like, that's ridiculous. But when you're brought up to not use Jesus's name in vain, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when you're brought up. Every line and is crossing that movie if you grow up. <laughs> every line crosses the line, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't watch The Exorcist for a long time. Full transparency for you, and, and the listeners will know this, but uh, I, I was not. I did not grow up as a horror fan. I, especially when I got into movies, which is around 2003 is when I really hit it hard. And I've studied it kind of uh, ever since. And uh, I, I just give me sixties French art films. Cool. Give me like, you know, forties and fifties samurai movies, like cool or whatever. Right. But it was like, show me a horror movie. And a lot of times they were just boring to me and I just didn't get it. And, what bothered me, though, is once I was uh, in my undergrad studying film, we were doing a film genres class. And I want to say the horror movie that my professor showed was, um, oh, my gosh, why did I just? Oh, The Haunting, the 1963 oh, yeah, yeah. film, you know, yes. I think that was the one, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I, I like that one. That was cool. And I was like, you know, there are so many classics. I'm talking like Nightmare on Elm Street up to like 2010 or something I'd never seen. Um, first Friday the 13th I'd seen on TV on Friday the 13th with friends but I'd never watched Friday the 13th I didn't watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre I'd never seen the first Halloween like there were a lot of blind spots for me so it was around 2010 2011 
that I dug in and I'm like, all right, I'm going to hit the classics. I'm going to hit some that particularly look interesting to me. Uh, you know, stuff like Reanimator, which I would still call a classic, but it's not one of those like top A lists for a lot of people, though it's one of my all time favorites. Uh, mm. Or like From Beyond looked really cool to me. So I'm like, I'm going to check this one out or whatever. Um, and then you really start getting into those fringe. It's not, it's like, is it really horror? Like the uh, Ken Russell, The Devils, or like movies like that that get really, uh, really dark and talk about religious uh, horror there. But. Um, but yeah, I always like the fly. I like the body horror stuff. And so I started really digging in and the horror that I like, dude, I am a huge, huge fan. So I'm like a big fan of the shining. I like the thing. I love the exorcist. So I'm so <laughs> glad you brought that up. That is just one of those movies that no matter how ridiculous it may seem, um, for some people, uh, for example, I taught a controversy in American cinema class, uh, one time, and uh, for the controversy, we showed that as one of the films, and a lot of the students were laughing, and I'm like, "How are you laughing at this?" <laughs> I mean, yes. like, kind of in a not serious when it way. When came I'm back like, out in the theater the first time, there there were kids laughing. I was like, "Wow, I don't know what happened. This this <laughs> is this is weird. <laughs> it is so weird because I get that for a lot of people, it may not be scary, but dude, that movie is perfect." Like I think that movie is so awesome. Um, but let's 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 talk. So so you got you you watched The Exorcist. How old were you when you saw this? If you can think roundabout, and what was I that experience? Say, like? I would say like, uh, I think it came out in seventy four. So I didn't I didn't see it till seventy nine or something like that. So I was I was around the you know four or five. Um, <laughs> Like I said, I didn't actually see it, but, you know, but it, me seeing it that way kept me from seeing it again till I was yeah. a little, little older. And every time I would see it, it would just scare me so bad. But it was one of those things where it's, it's like the only thing that scared me like that. So I was scarred for life for that, from the, that movie just <laughs> messed me up till yeah. I was about 16. I couldn't watch like, if I even accidentally flipped the channels and, and it happened to be on, I, it, it would just, it would freak me out. It, yeah. it was weird. It was weird for Dude, a long time. So I was about there 16. was, yeah, there was a lot of history behind that though, in terms of, you know, and you might remember this to an extent, um, just like the ad campaigns and how they pushed it and it being like people are being possessed in the theater and people are throwing <laughs> up and having heart attacks you know yeah. and if you think about it i mean no one had ever made anything like freaking made with with the with the exorcist at that point like like that fully i mean with that kind of doc at the time that was like a documentary style almost much of it yes. like the way he shot it and everything much like the fringe connection and so uh yeah it was uh I mean, what I mean, what else can you say? The music was incredible and haunting. Um, and yeah. dude, whenever when Reagan talks with that voice, you know, uh, like that is still creepy. That is so <laughs> like, horrifying. <laughs> and it's never and when been she done starts... that way again. Nobody's ever touched anything like that. Even yeah. even when it's done well now, it's still not the. It's not like that. It's yeah. Just, it, just that that one person who was a woman yeah did that voice yep 
only that person could do that. Yeah. It's just all the circumstances that, that went into recording that for that movie. That's the only time it could happen. Yeah. Apparently. It. Cause it hadn't been done. <laughs> it hadn't been done again. That's for sure. Dude, but it all looks so good still. Yeah. Like if you watch that movie, when Reagan, like, like levitates on the bed you know what i mean like that whole sequence where they turn the air up in that room and they like uh put all the um padding around all the hard surfaces because they're like we're going to war you know what i mean dude there is nothing fucking better i'm just (laughs) (laughs) like i love i agree I, i agree i love that movie uh, so much, but like you, you mentioned 79, which made me think of this. Did you, are you a fan of, and when did you see alien? Alien? Uh, came out in 79. I might've seen that at the theater too. Um, well, I say two, I didn't see the exorcist in theater. I was about to say, but, you saw the exorcist <laughs> no, in the theater at I five? Not. I was just born when I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I might've seen alien at, at the movie. My parents used to take me to the movies with them all the time when I was a kid. I mean, yeah, they would. I, it just wasn't a thing. I guess I was acted appropriately. Like <laughs> we're, we're here to watch a movie. We're gonna chill and watch it. And I would just we're not I paying for it. a damn babysitter. Get your <laughs> yeah. head straight. We're watching this movie. <laughs> but I was into it, so you know. Um, yeah, but yeah, Alien was Alien was cool. I have Dude, that's, I have the, that's one of my all time figure. I still have one of those figures that. uh Actually, I I lost my original one. It's like a twenty inch um, alien figure, and Lance Garvin, drummer for Living Sacrifice, gave me his. He had one too. So is that dude a horror fan too? Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I gotta get that guy on here too. <laughs> um, yeah, he was like my idol drummer. I can't wait to tell him that when I was younger. <laughs> it's like him and Jesse Smith from Zayo were like my two guys. Uh, but anyways, um, so uh, so what else? So The Exorcist was that first kind of big hit, like that just it terrified you till you were a teenager kind of thing. What were some other ones as you kind of moved forward in life that really caught you? I would say... Um... Halloween, 78, A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Friday the 13th. Actually, Friday the 13th Part 2 is the one I really like. Um, well, a lot of people all the class, All the classics I, I really liked when I was growing up because, I mean, they were new back then. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. Did you ever watch any many of those, like, Giallo, like, Italian uh, horror films like Bay of Blood or, or Twitch of the Death Nerve, which was its alternate title, yeah. which is the greatest <laughs> title ever. Um, uh, I didn't. You know, the, the, only okay. one, the only ones that um, I saw was I actually saw Burial Grounds. Okay. Yeah. It was not, that's not Giallo, but Italian, Italian horror. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw Burial Grounds in the theater and, um, Movies the weird. one I one I really love, Burial Grounds, yeah. not very good, but it's it I know, was, but it's, it's cool. It's, to, it's, it's cool to see it in the theater. Wacky. That's weird. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the back when it was called Gates of Hell when that came out, which is mm-hmm. uh, called City of the Living Dead, if you look it up now, pretty much. Um, love that one. So yeah. um, I would catch that. We always had cable, so I would catch it on Showtime or HBO or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I saw a lot of movies like that. 
but yeah, but, yeah. Uh, as far as Italian stuff, yeah, uh, Gates of Hell and Burial Ground were the early ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I like one of the first of those I saw was Suspiria, which was one of the later. Like that started getting way more artistic with the lighting and yeah. things. But um, I only asked because you brought up Friday the Thirteenth, and I know that movies like those slashers were heavily, heavily influenced. Uh, by those Italian films, which totally. is why I was curious. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Friday the 13th, I saw a lot as, as well as a kid on TV. Um, I think it was USA Network because I would always go to my friends and my mom would have never let me watch this. So I was like, can I go stay the, stay the night with so-and-so? And they'd be like, yeah, and it's Friday the 13th. So we're just yeah. like USA <laughs> Network all night and we're watching scary movies. And I was so susceptible to it, dude. I was terrified of all of these. <laughs> but I didn't watch Halloween uh, until years later, and I finally bought the new 4K. I think it's like the Shout Factory or Scream Factory yeah, version, yeah. Or whatever. It looks incredible. How is that movie so good? It's one Do of you those love things that movie? where everything. I love Halloween. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, it's one of to me. It's one of those perfect movies. Even you can find flaws in pretty much any movie, so I can get past any flaw in it. Halloween is one of those perfect movies. Yeah. I mean, talk about the opening with the first person, you know, through uh, child Michael's eyes. You have like the music that Carpenter wrote, which is. I almost said the most iconic, which is not necessarily it's up there in the echelon of most (laughs) iconic. Like if you hear that, you go Halloween immediately. You know what I mean? Um, Just the great. But it's also creepy. Like yeah, when those bass totally. notes come in, like you have the, bam, 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 but when that first like, boom, <laughs> you know, like that first bass note kicks in, it just sounds so ominous and intense. And so Halloween has been a point of contention with me and some guests on here. Not the original. All I think all of us love that one. I don't think like you talked about, you can find flaws in the movie. Of course, you could find flaws in that. But there's something about the flaws in Halloween that make it perfect. If that makes it's not it's not like it's not polished in that way. There is a rawness to it. Right. And the low budget age. I love it. But the the contention is with later Halloween uh, thing, not in the original. I'm talking about like zombies, Halloween movies and then these new David Gordon (laughs) Greens. So I'm going to ask you about these so you can you can hop into this ongoing conversation we all have. Uh, how do you feel whenever zombie was like, I'm going to basically reboot Halloween, essentially? How'd you I feel was like interested. That? I'm a big yeah. Rob Zombie fan, so I was very interested to see his vision for that because I liked House of a Thousand Corpses a lot. I was like, hmm, I, you, you can tell he's into all that stuff. So let's, oh, yeah, let's see um, what happens. And I was actually, I like Rob Zombie's Halloween. Uh, I like two, probably a little bit more than the first one, but uh, I thought he did a good job with it. I mean, I don't need to see the same movie again. I mean, I saw that one and you're never going to do it as good as that one. So just try something new. And he did. (laughs) Yeah. And he paid for that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so like, if you can articulate this and if not, it's fine. But what about that appeals to you? Because this is a big thing on the podcast. I love learning about why people like what they like, you know. And so, like, is it just how brutal he gets? You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's like a keystone of zombies Halloween movies is how fucking violent 
those are. Is that an appeal or is there something else to it? I think uh, for me, the brutality of it is what it is. I mean, that doesn't do anything for me. I mean, it's, it's awesome when it's something interesting, I guess, but, and it's cool to see it go overboard because we hadn't (laughs) seen that. Yeah. Um, uh, but Rob Zombie has a very good artistic eye. Um, the way he shoots thing, he, he, he has a good cinematographer, obviously, when he does his movies. And he knows how to just frame everything to where, no matter what it is, it's interesting to look at. And for me, yeah. I like the artist part of that. Um, so that's a big plus for me. Um, yeah. For me, his only downfall is his writing. To me, that's if it wasn't for that. I would like his movies just as much as any of the other ones. Yeah. I I honestly, I think I would have to just straight up agree with what you just said. I think that was always (laughs) my hang up. Honestly. Yeah. Um, Cause even something like Lords of Salem that he did, it was like, I couldn't help but be interested in that because it just looked awesome. And it was like weird. Um, But yeah, I felt like the writing was a complete mess, but it's like, but this is like the things you're doing are kind of awesome, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I was a big fan. Uh, like, I was able to have a really good time and laugh at and am currently considering going to a Halloween party as Captain Spaulding uh, because I'm a bold <laughs> guy with a beard. I mean, you're limited at that point. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, House of a Thousand Corpses. See, So one of my blind spots is Devil's Rejects. I still haven't seen that. It's on my list for this season to finally get caught up with. Um, I think you'll do that. I think you'll dig it. Yeah. My, 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 my wife is a huge horror fan. So she's rewatching stuff too. And I have like a list, but uh, I got to check that out, but I'm excited to rewatch house of a thousand corpses. Cause one thing I liked when I was younger and I haven't seen it since then. Um, but when I was in my twenties, I watched that movie and, uh, he has all those muted colors. You were talking about his look, like that style yeah, that he has. Yeah. Right. And he's clearly, he clearly loved that like whole grindhouse era and a lot of those slashers that came out of it and, you know, things like that. So you kind of get that vibe. But he, I, I was a huge fan when I first saw those movies um, with like the kind of muted color palette that he has. For some reason, that was just, I thought that was so awesome. <laughs> so I'm like really excited to revisit it now and just be like, what else can I get from this now? Uh, I thought that yeah. movie was awesome. Plus, it's, you know, when you see Rain Wilson, what was it, uh, skinned or, or cut in <laughs> half or whatever, hey, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I mean, what I mean, what else? What are you going to do with that movie? It's just uh, it's a ridiculous yeah. fun time. Um, but yeah, so you, you mentioned uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street also. Did that freak yeah. you out when you saw that? That was 84. I'm assuming you. Yeah, if I you saw, saw in Alien in theaters, I, you probably saw, saw that theater. in theater. I did. Yes. Yeah. So you were probably nine or ten or something. How, how did that yeah. go? Because I'll tell you, I hadn't seen a Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, um, or at least I didn't remember it until that time I was catching up in 2010 or 2011, where I finally went back and really watched it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'd seen five and six. Six is hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> like, you know, he kills a dude in a video game. Like, come on. Like, it's just great. But um, the but the first one, that's just like fucking legit good, dude. Like, yeah, I love it so much. But it also, when I first saw it, there was something about where my mind took me that like freaked me out about that movie. You know, it's not so much that what's happening. Well, the the Tina 
on the wall and ceiling getting slashed <laughs> open scary. Like, I just rewatched with my wife a couple days ago, and she was like, Jesus. And she's like, like it was like still <laughs> that visceral, you know. But uh, but aside from that, you know, the, the accordion arm Freddy or things yeah. like that, you know, I think those things are awesome. I love special effects like that. Um, yeah. But uh, it's not necessarily scary. But then the but when I rewatched it, though, in 2010, I just remember thinking like, man, how scary would it be, though, if you couldn't sleep? Like, that's what I was. I was like thinking of all those things and like almost psyching myself out. How did you fare when you're a kid? Going to the theater to watch freaking West Craven. It was scary, man. It was scary. <laughs> it has some of those religious elements in it as well. Like he knocks the the cross off the wall to yeah claw above Nancy. Yeah, uh, and then he, you know, this is God cuts his fingers off, kind of thing. And it's like they're crossing these lines with somebody coming from a religious point of view. Be like, oh, yeah. Uh, he went there. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because no one else would ever think this. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it seems so unrelated. Um, but there's definitely a thing there. If anybody says yeah. God and you come from that religious background, uh, like immediately you're like triggered into this moment of like, what are you saying about my God? <laughs> you know? Like yeah. it becomes this thing, you know? Yeah. Blasphemy um, is, a, is a strange thing when it's and Lords of Salem. Speaking of that. That freaked me out too because they're it's like even as an actor, I would not say that stuff they're saying. <laughs> it's like I know you don't mean it. <laughs> wow. It's like it, but that that is also appealing because it, it's doing something that strikes a nerve that doesn't normally get struck for me. So it it also made it I hate to say cool, but um it does make it appealing. No, it makes it effective. I would probably very say. You, you know go. what I mean? Like, that's very like good. it's it's not that like I just want people to be blasphemous. Like I don't yeah. really care. Like that's like you were saying about the brutality or whatever. It's like it is what it is. Yeah. That's how like blasphemy is to me. It's just kind of like it is what it is. So a lot of people are probably just doing it to shock people because the religious hold still to this day keeps <laughs> it in our minds, right? Like yeah. regardless yeah. of whether one follows this or not anymore. Uh, that is something that's like ingrained in culture. So it's it's like, did you ever see Ken Russell's The Devils? I did not see that. And and, and it, I'm not surprised because Warner Brothers, if I'm not mistaken, is the one that own it and they will not release it. So it's not like you can get edited versions wow. still, um, but it's literally about like people being possessed that are like nuns and priests and, um, you know, kind of having a, a big old horrific romp and, and like do it. it's all it is like there's a point where nuns are like fucking a jesus statue i mean it's wow i mean it gets See, that's, it's that's, like you just heard it and i saw your reaction of like wow. <laughs> but that it's, is it but the <laughs> you're oh, like i gotta man. find this no, no. um no, dude, it's it's actually, dude, that movie is actually legit good, though. Like, the first hour of it is, you're almost like, this is like exploitation. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of yeah. ridiculous. But by the end, it's legit about, like, the persecution of these people who are not following the status quo of these, like, hyper-zealous, like, Christian fanatics. Uh, it's a period piece, so it's, like, back in, like, the 1600s or something. 
And it's Ken Russell, which if you're not as familiar with him, he was just always pushing the boundaries. And so um, uh, I'm trying to remember the other movie he did because you probably know. I guarantee you've seen that one. If I think of it, I'll bring it up. But if you get a chance to see The Devils, you can, I mean, you can watch like an edited version. Uh, in the UK, I think they might have an unedited. It was like banned in every country, like every good horror movie, <laughs> you know, and uh, and all of that. And it, but that's like probably one of the most blasphemous movies I've ever seen. <laughs> like, wow, you know, that and The Exorcist are like both kind of up there because, like yeah. you're saying, like I like you said, Lords of Salem, like I wouldn't even say that as an actor you know like even yeah. if i'm just playing it's like there's a lot of stuff in the exorcist i felt that way about back then and and uh the devils it's like you know i i don't e- i don't even want to tell you other things in it just so you can experience it if you ever watch it um okay. because it's it is like legit shocking but we covered it on the podcast here uh one of my regular uh, indiana film critics and i uh, Joe and I did, and and we both loved it. Like legit, like it started off iffy, but then it was like, man, this is a legit good movie, and it's like shocking. And there's something about it being effective because we never see those things. That's what we were talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and I don't know. There's something like fresh about it. And that movie's from 1971. Wow. I imagine that. Anyways, <laughs> Jesus statues in 1971. It's a wild. It, that was before The Exorcist. I just yeah. thought about that. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so, yeah, you were a fan of the classics. Something I love to ask people about, because I have a very mixed relationship <laughs> with contemporary horror. Uh, pretty much anything that's post-millennial, like 2000 on, um, uh, it's really hit or miss. Like, my my percentages drastically go down what I'm into personally. I can have a good time with almost any of them, but in terms of what I sincerely like. Uh, and I'm curious, like, what are some more contemporary horror movies. So after you kind of get out of the the uh the classics territory, are there some newer ones that have really done something for you where it's just like, man, this was really wild. You know, we talked about the Rob Zombie showing you something maybe a little different or they're doing something uh slightly askew, but uh I'm curious if there's some new stuff that you've been a fan of. I've been a big fan of like Sinister uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose, which yeah. I, I believe both of those are Scott Derrickson movies. Sounds right. Yep. And I like a lot of stuff. I, that new Terrifier <laughs> is awesome. Terrifier 2 is awesome. The first Terrifier. All Hallows Eve. I like all of those. Um, Dude, ter- Terrifier is a ridiculous movie. Oh, Remember whenever ridiculous. he likes, then he like <laughs> chainsaw someone in half or something in the first one? Hacksaw. Like, oh. <laughs> ah! Even better. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Jeez. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, what a ridiculous movie. Yeah. What what about the new David Gordon Green Halloween movies? I mean, you when oh, we were talking this. about yeah, doing yeah. this, yeah. you're yeah, talking totally. about seeing Halloween end soon. Um yeah. I see that on Thursday. Yeah, I I I personally thought he's done really well with Let me tell you what I like about these. Uh all respect to the Halloween movies that followed the first one, okay, and the original kind of franchise. But I something about starting over after the first one. You know what I'm saying? And saying, all right, we're going to kind of reboot a series, but the first one still exists. I like the alternate universe vibe to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm down. I, I'm to- And then... It, it, for argument's sake, you know, David Gordon Green then does not have to be accurate to anything but the first movie. 
Right. You know what I mean? Because he's already established like, okay, this Halloween is 30 years later or whatever, 40 or however many. And then uh, Halloween Kills, which is talking about ridiculous. Like that gets ridiculous. But I thought that movie <laughs> was actually really fun. Like we had a really good time watching that. I'm really excited for ends. But so you were a fan of these new Halloween movies? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was weird at first. Um, not having part two as canon um, to follow. But then it's like, then you have to explain a lot of stuff. How can you get shot in both eyes and burned alive? And how do you come back from that? I mean, and yeah, and you know, there's just probably too much. I, I get it. That's just, that's just too much. Not when you can just go from the first one and let's move on. Yeah. Um, and which they did a good job at that. Yeah. And, and the second one, Halloween kills. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, kind of covers peripherally, at least a lot of what Halloween two did anyways with the, cause Halloween two takes place immediately right after one. Right. Right. I mean, like in the, that's what, if I, I'm making sure my memory didn't fail me, I've only ever seen two on TV. So I have to like, that's like another series I need to go through and watch <laughs> like legit, you know? Um, uh, but yeah, they kind of filled in some of those gaps and kills. It's not maybe identical, yeah. but uh, some of that was there. Yeah. Um, and the best part about Halloween for me, and I'm curious if if you feel the same way, is the original Halloween. I mean, uh, is the opening sequence, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, pull up a name here just so I can. Uh, oh come on, it's not working. Uh, but I'm gonna pull up the original Halloween. Uh, I just lost it. Donald Pleasance. Okay. Uh, This dude, Dr. Loomis is in the car and he's in there with the nurse. And every time she says, well, he escaped and Loomis says it right. Like he always calls it it. And I just think like what a fucking perfect way to introduce a character that is going to be like uh, impenetrable, right? Like unkillable is you are establishing it as the ultimate evil it is evil incarnate which i believe he says something yeah. along those lines he's trying to tell I, everybody i've been with this guy for 15 years <laughs> it's not a human i'm telling you <laughs> yeah and no one believes him it's, yeah. it's one of the classic tropes of horror right is they tell you something terrible and they're like i gotta see this or i don't believe you and then terrible things happen that's how the world yeah. works in horror movies um but yeah that like i just that sells it to me right there is it like opens with that killer first person michael is a kid shot and then you have donald pleasance explaining that he is an ultimate evil not a human and it's like cool <laughs> like yeah. let's go down this road <laughs> that's why you can just disappear or you know you can't kill him like I, that was all i needed you know <laughs> was that yeah. and it was so good um so uh d- Another question, because I was planning on showing this to uh, to my wife and some friends, and I'm just curious, because <clears throat> you would have kind of come through this whole wave of these. How do you feel about like the found footage horror genre, whether it be the Blair Witch, whether it be Paranormal Activity, or any just like run of just the mass of those movies? Because <laughs> you know, they were so cheap to make. And then they would make millions of dollars. And so many of them, in my opinion, are garbage. But there are some really great ones. I'm curious what you think of them and what some of your favorites are. And I'll tell you then uh, one of the movies I'm thinking of. They are hit and miss for sure. 
I think some of the ones that got it right are the original Blair Witch, the original Paranormal Activity, uh, Deadstream. It's like a live stream type thing. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I know exactly yeah, what you're I, I just about. watched. Well, now I that you explained that, that yeah, and yeah. that is from this year, uh, yeah. It was like day before yesterday or day before yesterday. I can't remember. But uh, that one was good. Uh, and Dashcam was good. Um, Hell House LLC had some decent stuff. Yeah, my wife actually just watched that when I was doing an episode of this. I was recording an episode of this. She watched Hell House LLC, and she <laughs> said it like freaked her out. Like she was just like real freaked. We actually just rewatched Blair Witch today. Funny enough that you bring that up. Um, and she was like, that was so different than I remember. And I'm like, it's because nothing was like that, you know, and then everything was like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. the effect that that had, uh, was really insane. Even the documentary for the Blair Witch project was good. Like the, the whole fake documentary. Yeah. I love that. That was so good, man. Nobody could do that anymore. You can I only know. do it once. Well, you know, but but paranormal activity. Once the cat's out of the bag, then it's like you know. Yeah, I mean, paranormal activity uh, did really well. I thought the first one. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Because like I like going back to the religious stuff, right? Like, dude, I remember watching that. It was in two thousand nine. I remember watching that, going to bed by myself, and being like freaked out. <laughs> like that was probably the last time that ever happened. Like where I was genuinely like kind of freaked out like kind of the proverbial like looking over your shoulder kind of thing because it was just like because i think there's a point where they open a bible or something and then it's just like on fire or something like i don't know there was just like something about like demon possession and just like ouija board oh it was the ouija yeah yeah yeah, it was the ouija board yep dude anytime a ouija board is brought in that's a religious trigger right there Yeah, you know, so like so same difference, though, where it was just like that was just uh, I don't know. That was just such a bizarre experience. And and it's one that I've never watched again, not because I'm afraid, but it's like I'm really nervous about ruining some of these. Like, I want that to live in my brain and be great forever. You know, <laughs> and I just don't want to give it room to be ruined. Um, but there is there is a, a found footage movie I was going to ask you about. Uh, it is the the it's a Spanish series, but the first one is called Wreck. Do you ever see Wreck? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie's yeah. so badass. Even its American remake, Quarantine, which is Quarantine. essentially shot for yeah. shot. I still fucking love that movie. That's a um, good one. I saw that one first, and I like that one. Oh, Quarantine. And I went yeah, back and watched Wreck. One hundred percent the same story. Yeah, I saw <laughs> Quarantine because I had just finished Dexter, and Jennifer Carpenter's in it. And I was like, sure, I'll watch this horror movie. Why not? And I watched it, and I loved it. That end with the with the um, the, the night vision camera stuff and the weird, creepy, slender person, yeah. dude. That I so for everyone listening and to you as well, you can't watch like anywhere that I could find. If you know one, please tell me, Rocky. But I could not watch Wreck in the original Spanish with English subtitles. Everything's just English dubbed. So I got it through Amazon, rented it, oh, English wow. dubbed. I got it through iTunes because it said Spanish language. Nope, English dubbed. So I just bought the anthology, like Rec 1 through 4, like the box set, the Blu-ray box set. And I put it in, and I was skimming through that movie. And I got to that night vision part. Still to this day, freaked me out. <laughs> like I'm like watching that's it, a, and I just good, feel good monster. 
tense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because it's close quarters, that whole movie and everything. Just the way people scream in it and stuff is so intense. And uh, <clears throat> that's one where when I tell people about found footage, like that's one I always bring up is like it did it right. And the reason for that is they're a news crew that are being they're experiencing firsthand an injustice. And the reason the camera's on is to document the injustice. Do you get what I'm saying? So there's like a reason for him to be filming all the time. Right. Uh, And it's just so per and and even the end with the night vision thing. It's like, they're in a dark room. They can't see. So what do you do? Use the (laughs) camera, right? Like, I don't know, man. I really, really love that. Um, but what do you feel? Uh, how do you feel about going kind of a different direction from from found footage? How do you feel about things like the human centipede or some of those like in that weird 2000s <laughs> where it gets like people were going to extremes to kind of be noticed? How do you feel about movies like that? Hey, do what you gotta do. Um, <laughs> it might not be for me, but more power to you. So you, mean, if you can get yeah, if you can get it made, if you have a if you have a dream, go live your dream. <laughs> I love your diplomatic way of saying "not for me, not for me." Yeah, I don't I don't need mouths on buttholes. It's I, fine. I, I did see uh, Human Centipede one and two, and I was like, oh, I don't need to see any more of this. Actually, I saw uh, a little bit of the one after that. It was just I had to turn it. Off. It's just wasn't even good. Yeah. It wasn't gross or anything. I was just like. This is not a good movie. <laughs> it wasn't even good. <laughs> I love that. I mean, for me, it no, might I don't. No, I, I, I get what you. I get what you mean, man. Um, yeah, I, I have. I have a few, a few more to ask you about, though, uh, because I had some like planned out. I just wanted to hear your take on it. But uh, before I get to the new Hellraiser, I want to ask: What was your? When did you first see the original Hellraisers? And and what did you? How did you feel about those? Because uh, Pinhead was someone who freaked the fuck out of me as a kid, you know, and I, I was born in 1985. Yeah. So this is like in past tense, going to the movie store and seeing like the cover of the VHS, you know, and it's just like Pinhead. And he's like holding this box yeah. or whatever. Dude. Yeah, it's scary. But how, how did you respond to like Hellraiser? Well, for me, it was uh, it came out during the VHS era. So yeah. a, a lot of these movies were uh very accessible uh like any of the ones that back in the day we didn't have video so if you didn't see it in the theater then you didn't get to check it out yeah but uh during the vhs era we got to see a lot of stuff that you know we either missed or it's brand new and things like that so when hellraiser came out uh we we were big on written videos um we would do the deals where you can get like you rent the VCR and two or three tapes for 10 bucks or something. <laughs> yeah. So we were, we were on that all the time. So I, I, when I saw Hellraiser, it, it was, it was one of the ones that's like, that's, that's classic right there. Yeah. I ain't seen nothing like that before. I, I still, I own it. Funny story, but I've never seen it, but I, I straight up just bought, there's a boutique company called arrow video, which you might be, familiar oh, yeah. with and oh, they yeah. released the first hellraiser but for my birthday uh my wife's grandma bought me hellraiser 2 which i'd never seen but they had an arrow video of it and i've always thought that looked better than one <laughs> like just watching the trailer because i'm like dude you're in like 
the Cinnabot, like the whatever the, the Cinnabites or whatever their name is. Like you're in their world and there's like a labyrinth and like monsters and stuff. This looks amazing. And I lo- I actually really like the first Hellraiser. Uh, so then, of course, I bought the Arrow video first Hellraiser Blu-ray because I you can't just have the first or the second one. But <laughs> yeah. can like sell sell Hellbound to me. OK, the second Hellraiser movie. Uh, you've seen it, I assume, by your nodding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you Absolutely. love that? Is that movie awesome? Because I think it has to be awesome. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's the only it's the only place you can go with that series and not do the first one. Just repeat that one again. So in the first one, we're in the real world and these otherworldly things come to you. Yep. Well, in this new one, you're going to their world and discovering all these new Cenobites, new creatures, and Christy, the main character from the first one, is our main character in the second one. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing all these new, uh, like this, uh, this surgeon and uh, this uh, other girl that can't speak. Um, they kind of become companions to try to get out of of this world and trying to figure all that out. So. It's it's a, a crazy fantasy adventure. It's almost it's almost not a the only horror part of it is just what these things do. Um, it's not scary. I, I think the first one has some scary parts in it. Like, ooh, this is vibey. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's the, the second that's one's the, not not as much that. It's more this fantasy feel. Yeah, and they, these things just happen here. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge fantasy nerd, so like, uh, it, on, yeah, on that on that level, I'm just like this looks better, and it bums me out because across the board, it's just you look at Hellraiser, and it's like people are rating it this way, they're talking about it this way, and then you get Hellraiser two, and it's just a universal drop down, and in my head, I'm like. I don't believe this. Like it's one of those rare things where I don't know because I haven't seen it. But in my head, I'm like, there's no way this is worse than the f- equal, at least in my head. Like it just because it looks so awesome to me. But uh, we're gonna be covering Hellraiser on the show, uh, the new one. I mean, uh, the the, yeah. the brand new one. I have yet to see it. It came out last Friday. I'm curious. You said you had seen it. How does it, in yeah. your opinion, and we're going to take this as your opinion, so uh, how does it hold up to the originals? I hear that it does kind of go its own way. They're not just trying to remake the movie, but they're kind of reimagining is the term that is thrown around a lot. How do you feel about the new Hellraiser? It's good. Um, I didn't know what to expect, so I came with an open mind to it. It's really different. I, I haven't, I'm not caught up on, like, Everything after Bloodline, I'm not very familiar with in the sure. Hellraiser series. Um, I think I have all of them. I'm, I just hadn't watched them all. Yeah, but, yeah. So, in what I have seen, all the way after Bloodline, I would I would put this new Hellraiser probably number four. I think okay. it's better than Bloodline. Um, I'm trying to think, what's Hellraiser four? Because I remember three. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I think of, if four is. Well, three is hell is on like, earth. And then uh, f- I think four is bloodline, if I'm not mistaken. But then you have Inferno. Um, and then what is this one? Hell world. And then there's hell seeker. 
Um, I didn't say those all in order, but uh, anyways, <laughs> there are. I'm looking at the website. I would say, I would say like so. like Hellraiser one, two, and three are. That's pretty legit for me, and okay. I would say this new one would kind of come in right after three. Three is a little cheese ball, but I like it. <laughs> dude, yeah, dude, I'm all about some cheese, but whoa. I just pulled up a picture of three and it looks hilarious. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll see it. We'll see about that. Um, so a couple more and then and then we'll we'll start to close up here because uh, I like I said, I'm just interested in picking your brain about uh, certain horror movies that we've talked about yeah. uh, on here, uh, whether it be fondly or otherwise. But someone that I've been really impressed with, there have been a, a few people. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of, um, why did I, ju- I literally just, as I was about to say his name, uh, <laughs> forgot his, oh, uh, Robert Eggers. I loved like the witch and things like that. Um, but, uh, Ari Aster has been another guy that I've been a fan of since I saw hereditary and, uh, we rewatched hereditary recently. I'm still a big fan of this personally. And then we, of course, saw uh, Midsummer that came out a few, year, a couple years later, which is, um, it feels less like hard horror, but there's clearly some horror involved here. I'm curious, how do you feel about uh, some some of these newcomers that clearly have a grasp on horror, um, but uh, I don't know, they, there's just something about the way that they're doing it that feels elevated to me, right? Like watching Hereditary, yeah. there's something about that um, where I feel like there's not just that one moment that you remember or not just the two or three moments, but there are multiple moments in that movie that come to mind when I hear that. You know what I mean? Whether it's the yeah. the sister hitting her head uh, in the car or <laughs> the uh, the scene where um, uh, what is uh, Ann Dowd's character is with Tony Collette and they're doing the seance and the cup moves. Um, or the, uh, my wife is particularly horrified whenever, uh, Tony Collette's character is trying to get into the attic and the sun is up there <laughs> and she's just banging yeah. her head on the door, you know, like, uh, th- these things, there's just so many moments that are kind of horrific. How do you feel about Ari Aster, whether it's hereditary or midsummer? And, uh, you know, how do you, f- do you feel optimistic about new horror with, <laughs> with people like this coming out? <laughs> I am optimistic that. We'll keep getting some good horror movies from yeah. uh, guys like these and, and others. Um, Hereditary was amazing. Um, big fan of Hereditary. Um, you see had, that in theaters? I, I, yes. Had a really good grasp on the tension. And it just, it's one of those movies that keeps a stranglehold on the tension, like yeah. a home movie. Like you, mm-hmm. you, you're constantly wondering what is going to happen next because does it get worse than it just did? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it just keeps going. So, uh, and then Midsummer, not a big fan of that one. Really? Uh, well, how, how come? Nah, I'm just curious. This wasn't, this wasn't for me. Um, I get it. Uh, I, I saw that in theaters. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. It just it didn't hit me right. Yeah. Um, it's definitely an interesting movie. Uh, I totally see. It is a good movie in its own right. Uh, just not something I would view multiple times. You know? Sure. I mean, yeah. It's not I, a repeat viewing for me. As soon as I watched it, it felt like um, there are some kind of universal, universally interesting aspects to this, but it felt like an acquired taste. So, yeah, I yeah. like I'm not surprised by your reaction. Absolutely. Robert Eggers was 
the the witch that that's awesome dude is that not that's so awesome. the so lighthouse good. was good the northman saw that in theaters too i'm just not a not a big fan of that either <laughs> It is a good movie. It is a good movie. It's, it's a well wild done. movie. Yeah, it, it's he, it just he, just not for me. You know the thing for him uh, that I love about Eggers is uh, he, I mean the Northman's about as close to like a blockbuster as he's gonna make. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and uh, that dude just loves these small kind of chamber pieces, like like the I wouldn't call the witch like a chamber piece per se, but I mean like you know you have the witch and the lighthouse. They're these kind of smaller movies that are doing a lot. And yeah. uh, I think he's supposed to do Nosferatu next, which dude, well, I, he's, I'm looking forward to that. He's been supposed to do that since before the lighthouse. But so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious if and when he's ever going to do it, because I think he would be so awesome at that. Yeah. If anybody could pull that off, that it'd be him. Do, do you like the original Nosferatu, which is 100 years old this year? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I do like it. I just can't watch I can't watch it very often. I, I like those kind of movies and clips. It's like Phantom sure. of the Opera. I can't watch that whole thing, but clips of it is like, oh, that's awesome. You yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> but if I try to watch the whole thing, it's like, nah, it's, I'm not doing that. Yeah. You know, I, 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 w- I had one more to ask you about, but I am going to add one, actually. Uh, did you ever see Peter Jackson's Dead Alive? Oh, yeah. Do you love that movie? <laughs> That's awesome. I, yeah. I feel like I feel like uh, Chris Farley in his SNL skit where he's like talking to someone. He's like, "Remember when you did yeah. that thing? Well, that was so Paul cool. McCartney. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Dead Alive for the longest time was like my favorite horror movie. I mean, it, it it's horror by gore standards essentially because it's basically like this slapstick comedy, uh, you know, about this yeah. geek trying to survive. Uh, all of these undead creatures and talk about the I, I saw this really early because I was a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Um, and then I went back and started watching a lot of his stuff I could get. I saw Meet the Feebles, which I don't know if you ever saw that, but that's that movie's yeah. fucked up. <laughs> uh, but Dead Alive is awesome uh, because it is like it is so creative with how gory it can be. <laughs> like to this day, yeah. I've still never seen someone rips someone's whole rib cage out of their body while they're alive. You know what I mean? And like, why would someone do that? But then you also have the priest. that's like, I kick ass for the Lord, you know? And he just starts like doing martial arts. It's just like, I love schlocky kind of like ridiculous movies. That's why I love things like uh, from beyond where you get that great Jeffrey Combs line about the gingerbread man, like bit his head off like a gingerbread man. You know, it's, he's so serious. And that's just what makes yeah. it so funny in the best way. Like, I mean, that is a huge compliment. I'm a big fan of the effects Stuart Gordon did in Reanimator and From Beyond. And um, I just love it. But th- there's a movie that as we were talking, I wrote this down because I-, I wanted to ask you about because I feel like uh, you'll probably be into this. And I'm curious how you feel like it fares to the original. Um, I saw the original It. Okay. Uh, with. It, uh, oh, I don't know, probably 2015 or so. I'd never seen it before. It was like, uh, again, as, as I mentioned earlier, I wasn't a huge horror fan prior to, you know, the last 15 years or so. Uh, so yeah. there are there were a lot of I've caught up with most of the hits. Now, there's still a few lingering uh, it for a long time was one of those. And uh, I love 
parts of the original it uh, i think it totally has like you know its place in history i mean uh this the he as a clown right like um tim curry has like immortalized clowns as a horror staple now not that they weren't around before yeah. but that is like it is now set in stone i thought the story was great uh in it um but really when i look back at the original there are a few things that i like about it uh, but Tim Curry is really the thing I come back to just saying, like, what a great kind of villain, so to speak. Right. And then I yeah. saw the new it part one and two movies that came out in, I think it was 2017, 2019. Um, and I was curious, how do you feel about the original it? And then how do you feel about these part one and two remakes uh, kind of of that? thing because obviously they're both a little different right like well a lot different i right, would argue right. like they have a different approach but yeah how do you feel about yeah. these i i like uh i like both of them and and in their own ways you know the the old ones made the old way um, yeah for sure so there's i mean certain things you can't get away with as far as effects and things like that so they try to do a lot of practical things uh, so that's always fun to have actors interact with other real real um things <laughs> monsters and things like that yeah. yeah yeah um but in the new ones they can do things and pull off things that we have never seen before you know and as far as the original yeah because it's things that they, you can't get away with that you can't build all the stuff with the budgets they have to do these things so in the original it if i remember uh, the original it was uh like a tv movie yeah. as well yeah. so that was like exactly. a whole different yeah. thing as well yeah right right so yeah, and, and you know, with making an R-rated monster clown movie, I mean, you can start to do all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, the idea of the practical effects versus like CG, basically. Um, yeah, because that was honestly my only. Uh, well, I won't say only. I need to rewatch the new It movies. I saw them in theaters when they came out, and that was the only time I saw them. Uh, but that was like my only thing is it's like, man, I, I get that we're in that age. Right. And I, I, I get that that's just what you have to expect with a lot of movies. Doesn't mean I have to like it as much because <laughs> I would take like some mediocre looking practical effects over a lot of the others that just are so obvious to me that it like almost takes me out of it. Uh, and there are yeah. a few of those moments in it because it seems like uh, in the new one where where Pennywise just seems to kind of spaz out and he just does this and like yeah. walks at you, you know, real creepy. Um, but uh, man, the atmosphere in these new ones I thought was just really effective. I don't know. How do you feel about these new ones, though, like in terms of like the the approach that they took? Because, again, there are clear differences between the two. If you watch both For of them, sure. they feel yeah. very different. Um, yeah. but, uh, man, just, I have to give, I always forget how to say his name, but, uh, Andy Muschietti, I believe is his name. The guy that directed, uh, the new ones and, uh, yeah. man, the, the, the way he uses colors, like he has that red balloon and God damn, yeah. does that thing like pop, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like every time it's there, of course you have that iconic, um, uh, Bill Skarsgård, Pennywise, which I think he's become right. like the new icon. Of course, Tim Curry will always be there. So there's not an overshadow, yeah. but more of a they both are kind of uh, iconic now. Um, the score for the new ones really shined for me as well. Yeah. It really helped create those vibes. 
Man, yeah, uh, 100%, yeah. And I, I actually really liked how they broke up uh, the kids thing versus the yeah. uh, the adults. I like that they actually were able to make those two movies and both of those sections, uh, you know, right. felt felt like the right thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you were into these then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I figured, yeah. I figured, I figured. <laughs> Um, the last thing I'll ask you before we uh, just kind of in closing up here is uh, you just brought up film scores. And as a musician, yeah. this is something that I that I like to ask uh, musicians that like horror movies uh, and stuff is, um, you know, whenever you think of like those horror scores and stuff, what are some of the movies that come to mind? Like we just talked about how with it, of course, scores are so important. Uh, honestly, yeah. scores or sometimes choosing the lack of score. Right. Can make right, something right, so totally. intense. Um, and, and I think that's also a testament to the film as well. But taking it kind of out of it, like these new ones, like we were just talking about, what are some other movies that come to mind? You know, we talked about Halloween uh, that has that yeah. iconic score. What are some others? Uh, the the original Amityville Horror has a great score. Uh, the Friday the 13th films have a great score, especially part two. It's <laughs> basically all of part one with some additional things. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street has great scores. Um, are you are you a big fan of those? Uh, of course, there are so many. But do you do you, are you find yourself really being fond of those '80s scores? Yeah, I, as much as the orchestral scores are great on their own, there's just something about synthesizers that synthesizers and drum machines really just <laughs> work for me. <laughs> Yeah, put a little bit of reverb on those drums. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do that. But the point is, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you because that's like all the stuff we watch at this drive-in. You know what I mean? And it's just like some of the music had me just rolling. You know what I mean? I mean, not 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 because yeah. it was bad, just like it is just so of its time. You know what I mean? Oh, and chopping that, again, mall. yeah. Chopping Mall, that's what I was about to bring up. Like Chopping Mall yeah. has some like really funny uh funny moments and and it's a bummer sometimes because you have some people like um brian de palma who did carry and he had I, i'm pretty sure that was a pino dinaggio score and i can't stand dinaggio okay <laughs> like i hate his <laughs> scores it's like lifetime movie emotional scores like every time um and it's funny because i actually i like carrie so i don't mean to say i don't like it but it is funny because there are moments where that fucking score comes in and i'm like dude you couldn't have just hired someone else. <laughs> Could you just get someone else to do this one? Because uh, it's just this really kind of dreamy, like, um, I don't know. It just seems like it belongs in like a romantic movie or something like like there should be some yeah. soft focus on a character or something. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, music is like so important, obviously, not only just to movies, but to like horror movies. It's uh, it's certainly especially in horror movies. Yeah. I, th I think so. Yeah. And again, sometimes the choice to not have music can be, I think, really, really impactful. And I think that's some of the uh, the pros and cons to even those. Uh, um, what am I trying to say? The found footage like horror movies, because the idea of those is it should all be like in the in the room with you. If it's going to be that music, you don't have a score. Right. Um, but yeah. man, some of those scenes like wreck with that night vision stuff, dude, there's no music. It's just intense. It can be done so yeah. great. Uh, but <laughs> Rocky, thank you so much, man, for coming on and, uh, just talking, just like shooting the shit on some horror movies, uh, and all of that. I really appreciate you being here. 
Um, Thanks for having any, me, man. Do you have any, like, uh, are you working on anything musically? Do you have any projects coming out soon? Anything uh, interesting going on? Are you guys still just kind of working on uh, figuring out stuff post-pandemic? <laughs> Living Sacrifice is uh, always in talks on uh, doing something new. So uh, hopefully something will happen with that. And we will have... Uh, uh, the film I produced, 1031 Part 3, that will be out this month. Um, uh, the score will, will be available and the film will be available uh, physically uh, on ScreamTeamReleasing.com. Dude, that's awesome. Will you tell us just a little bit about what the film you produced is? Yeah, so uh, the new one is Part 3. Uh, we have, obviously, 1031, the, the first one, 1031 Part 2. 1031 part three i do uh the music for these they're uh anthology films like creep show yeah things like that um so yeah and we have uh usually we have four four different uh segments on there uh, awesome. by four different directors and uh all horror all halloween related so it's nice a good time. dude that's <laughs> awesome all right, well, definitely go check out the 1031 series then. And uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to, to you know, find them and, and let people know where they are. So, Rocky, thanks so much, bud. Thank you, man. What a nice guy Rocky was, not only for coming on the show, but just he's just a genuinely nice dude. We talked a little bit before we started recording, and he was just as kind as can be. Uh, definitely go check out uh, his 1031 series. Uh, I found them on Amazon Prime. You can watch the second one for free. Just watch it now on Prime Video. Uh, the first one is just a $2.99 rental, not a big deal. Um, and I believe, as he said, the third one should be coming out sometime soon. But definitely check them out. I plan to. And uh, also, <clears throat> go check, you know, just for old time's sake, go check out an Evanescence record. Go check out a Living Sacrifice record. Go check out, you know, all the things. You know, listen to Soul Embrace for the first time if you've never heard him and you're a metalhead. Uh, you know, uh, go support Rocky. He's an, he's an awesome dude. Same with uh, all those Living Sacrifice dudes. Maybe I'll be able to get Lance Garvin on here sometime because apparently he's a, a horror fan as well. Uh, but all that said, uh, I really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much for checking this out. We are going to be covering, uh, and by we, I should uh, actually say it's Joe and I. Joe and I are going to be covering the new Hellraiser movie coming up, and we're also going to going to be doing the uh, Halloween Ends movie. I don't know if we're going to do both of those next week or if we're going to do one next week and the one the following week. I have to talk to him figure it out. Depends on if he can see it all. That's the big problem. So um, if he can see them all, I can see them all, and we will give you some stuff. But, hey, this is Horror Month, so we're going to be talking about some horror movies. That is for sure. Uh, all that said, thank you guys so much for listening. I really, really appreciate you all. I love you, and good night, good luck, and take it easy. <laughs>